On today's show, a lot can change in the space of two years in the NBA. We have got a Locked On Bucks, Locked On Nets crossover. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to talk about what the Bucks are doing right now, but perhaps more curious is the idea of what the hell the Nets have been doing for the last two years. We've got Adam Armbrecht from Locked On Nets. My name's Kane Pittman from Locked On Bucks. I almost forgot my own name. Uh, of course, <laughs> we thank you for making Locked On Bucks and Locked On Nets your first listen or first watch of every single day, whether it's on YouTube and you're looking at us right now or it's on the old school audio platform. Uh, we really appreciate it. Drop a like, drop a comment subscribe to all those things it's free to do and it really does help us adam it has been far too long since we got a chance to catch up the bucks and the nets are playing tomorrow but i'm not sure how much we're actually going to talk about this game tomorrow because let's face it not many of your boys are playing they yet listen the brooklyn nets thought the milwaukee bucks they got a lot to figure out before the playoffs (laughs) you know a lot a lot of things a lot of rotational pieces is Giannis really the true number one or do you want to shuffle the deck there so why cloud their judgment by bringing in a powerhouse lineup that's on a three-game winning streak forgetting your name though um is justifiable because we were talking before we started when there isn't necessarily a roller coaster to cover for your team you can you know you can gloss over some key pieces of information and it doesn't matter day to day so i'm going to give you the pass on that Adam, I have had and you know this when you're doing these shows every single day you do hundreds per year over you know, thousands over the course of years you stumble and bumble over lots of things but i can tell you right now that is the first time that i had a little mini pause on trying to remember my own name so we've got off to a good start here with this podcast but we can keep it rolling i guess we should say we've hinted at who's going to play so as i look at the injury report right now before we move on to bigger picture stuff for the nets nick claxton spencer dinwiddie cam johnson royce o'neill Oh, and Ben Simmons, of course. So none of these guys are going to be playing in this game. And for the Bucks, Giannis, uh, Jay Crowder, and Drew Holiday are both probable. Drew Holiday and Giannis missed the last game out. So the Bucks are really playing for the number one seed. But big picture, mm-hmm. what are the Nets actually doing right now? Because we shouldn't totally dismiss the idea that based on where the standings are right now, this could still be a first-round matchup between the Bucks and Nets. Yeah, you know, we just finished after their their third straight win there over Houston, obviously. T- played two bad teams with um, the Charlotte Hornets before that. You want to win those games, they win those games. And they do it in a way that says, okay, maybe we're not championship contenders anymore. We're not. But we're better than, you know, the lower level teams. We're certainly middle of the pack. But then we looked at the standings and thought about how that little margin there over top of Miami right now, hanging on to the sixth spot, like it's not out of the realm of possibilities that the Nets are going to stay out of the play-in, that there could be a first-round matchup here. Obviously, it's going to be a difficult one, no matter how it shakes out. Um, it's interesting, man. Like, I, I, this version of the Nets is still so young. There's no, there, you know, there's no way to really define what they are, short of saying that these first-round matchups are going to be difficult. Boston, even though they're trying to figure some things out right now, Milwaukee, obviously. I think maybe the 76ers would just be interesting because they seem mildly dysfunctional at all times. <laughs> it's going to be hard for the Nets to make real noise when it comes to the playoffs, at least you know in this season. I think there's core guys going forward that could be fun, 
but there's a lot for them to sort out. And it's happening like in real time as we see it unfold game to game. So this isn't a back-to-back though. So with all these guys not playing and Spencer Dinwiddie just on the injury report for rest. Mm -hmm. So what is the sense you're getting that the team actually is trying to do here? I would have so okay. They 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 did win three straight games, going back to the enormous historic comeback win for the franchise and one of the biggest comebacks in league history against the Boston <laughs> Celtics, which is you know just the way we drew it up. You chalk and up. Thank you, thank you very much. By the way, Bucks fans were very much Nets fans <laughs> during that comeback. Well, and, you know, because it, it was like a third, give up a thirty-seven point quarter. The Nets have struggled in first quarters of games since the deadline. All these defensive players that they have there, but communication roles, all that stuff. So you give that up and then you still come back. My my opinion would be right now that it's probably a couple of things from a Nets perspective. One, you just won these three games and you're probably looking to kind of savor the flavor on feeling, you know, feeling yourself a little bit, feeling good about what you've accomplished. Milwaukee's a tough team. They have that one seed in their eyes, so they're going to be playing tough. So maybe you just say, listen, we're going to dodge this one here and come back on a road trip that they started in Houston that's going to follow up with Minnesota, with Denver, with OKC before they get back home. So this could be like in the totality of a five-game road trip, let's take a scheduled loss here and let's make sure that we can try our best to come out of five games three and two as we head back home. Yeah, it is fascinating. And the Bucs currently, with help from the Nets and the Knicks, we should say, the Bucs are currently two games up on the Boston Celtics and they – I think the way it looks, really want the number one seed based on if you're the number two, you probably have Philadelphia in the second round. It just overall looks like it's going to be a more uh, challenging run to the postseason. Well, I mean, and think about it, dude. Like, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, just to your point, like, you know, right now, Washington, Toronto, Atlanta, Miami, that's the play-in tournament that's going to scrap out to sort out those back-end two seeds. If you're Milwaukee, and if the Nets were to fall down and Miami overtakes them, you love the idea of having a first round matchup against any of those four or five teams, right? Like the risky run of going down to a two seed. And I think it probably matters less, by the way, if you're Milwaukee matters far less about like the first round, but it's about having home court. It's about always having four games in every single round, especially when you get to matchups with Cleveland or matchups with Boston, whatever it may look like in the deep playoff run, right? Like that's like, that's the box that Milwaukee wants to check. Let's make sure that we always have the home court. So it matters. And, And at this point right now, to your point, like, I don't see a going to be hard going to be hard for me to look at it right now and think that Boston two and a half games back is going to overcome that, you know, outside of Milwaukee, maybe really shutting things down or having any kind of injuries, knock on wood. I would never want to see that happen. So I told you this and by the way, I listened to a whole bunch of podcasts from the locked on podcast network. Do not get me wrong, but I've been listening to your podcast a lot this season because and we sit back with the Milwaukee Bucks and we podcast every day and we dive into all sorts of different storylines. But there is a general feel that from the fan base, why is the mm-hmm. national media not talking about the Bucks? And I say, well, because drama feeds the news cycle. And there just generally is not a drama, a lot of drama around this Milwaukee Bucks team. But that's why I've been locked in to locked on nets all season long, because the roller coaster of not only this team on the court and the personnel, but I want to say the roller coaster of emotions between yourself and Doug Norrie has been fascinating throughout <laughs> this entire campaign. Yeah, we we um we get caught on ourselves trying to figure out where we stand on it, right? <laughs> Coming into the season, a clear level of expectations. It only takes six, seven games before Steve Nash is fired. It only takes a couple more before Kyrie Irving is getting suspended, right? But then he comes back, and it all seems good. 
Like the Nets went on one of the best runs in franchise history. So Doug and I continue not to move the goalposts, but it's like you, you've always had to, by the way, in the entire era from when they signed Kyrie and Kevin Durant, it was like you needed to be in a perpetual state of three weeks, maybe a month, reevaluate, reassess. Kevin Durant got injured the last two years. Kyrie Irving, we know his on and off the court things that have gone on with him, trades that have gone on. So there's always been like this necessity to do that. And I think what I would actually been fun for us this year is that like Doug and I have found ourselves disagreeing more primarily because there's six different ways that you could slice that problem up and you just you go, maybe it could be that. And by the end of it, it usually ends up being like, oh yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it's the way you said it, but it could go this way too. So we've had a lot of fun with it. And ironically, even after trading away the superstars, like we thought, okay, it's just going to be what it is. Ride it out the rest of the season, see what happens. And there's still narratives around this team because we don't have Drew Holidays and Chris Middletons, guys that are just like perpetually quiet professionals that just want to sit there, play their role. All these new guys are great. Like Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, even Dorian Finney-Smith, bringing back Spencer Dinwiddie. Like these are all guys that are professionals and are very well liked and regarded by their former teams and in Brooklyn now. But there's still always narratives. Like there's still always something bubbling on the surface, whether it's Cam Thomas and what his role is going to be or not be, Ben Simmons and his inability to be on the court. And then even fan base that still says, great, you got rid of the superstars. You made that choice, but you haven't done it all. We need Sean Marks to be fired. We need Joe Sy to sell this team. Like there's never an end to what the fan base is also after. Okay, so I want to get to that. I want to ask you what it is that you want to happen. And then perhaps more broadly from the position you're in covering the team and the sense you get from the fan base, just what happens when you go from thinking that you can win a title to very, very quickly being like, okay, well now we're in flux this year. It's not going to happen. Just the mental side of that, because I think it's interesting. Uh, I have palmed off my responsibility to you on this podcast. I'm going to throw to you first. You better believe it because, uh, friends, you know that Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by none other than the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And you can go ahead and assume that if I am taking over the Nissan player of the week, it's going to be (laughs) one Mikhail Bridges because this is a guy that we know over these last three games has been the key catalyst to the Brooklyn Nets winning. He's also been scoring 30 points a game, and he is arguably – making a case that he can be a superstar in this league. And if that is the case, it turns out that he is going to be a key centerpiece that Sean Marks got back in the Kevin Durant trade. Oh, my friends, I don't have to tell you that when we're thinking about a player that is, I don't know, maybe breathlessly electric, brilliantly electric. Sure, these are all narratives that I could use to describe it. Elegantly powerful. I would call I would call Mikael Bridges elegant, but I don't know about powerful. We actually just talked about him needing to bulk up his frame a little bit, but he certainly is electric. And that is why right now the 2023 Nissan Aria is going to be a pin you to your seat, power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Now, before we dive in on my uh, journey, King, as I'm sure you're interested in, I am, I am curious about, and maybe this seems dull, but, but what are the things that you end up focusing on or that you see the Milwaukee Bucks focusing on when, for the most part, this journey is about the desti- you know, it's about the destination, not the journey. It's the playoffs. It's the deep playoff run. You know, I mean, you, Jay Crowder, 
You add a little piece like that. Javon Carter, who was a former net, you brought him in last year. But, you know, Grayson Allen, like there's these additional pieces in the last couple of seasons. Is that really what it comes down to? And then maybe the health of Chris Middleton and just saying like, are we healthy? Are our roles clearly defined? Do we feel like there's tweaks that we need to make before we get to the playoffs? So I think there's been multiple uh, areas of anxiety or causes for anxiety among Bucks fans. First one is when you're right, when you, when you know that you're just going to try and win a title and the regular season actually doesn't really matter, there mm-hmm. is an anxiety around health. And unfortunately for this Bucks team throughout this season, Middleton still only played 21 games, 22 games now, I believe. Giannis has missed 15 to 16. And I would say when Giannis is missing games, it's legitimate stuff. Like we, we know right now that he's got knee stuff going on. He's got this wrist slash hand injury that is clearly bothering him as well. So he is just trying to get through the postseason. And last year, we saw when Chris Middleton slipped on a wet spot. And, you know, many Bucks fans, and I don't need to tell Brooklyn Nets fans about this, but, but many Bucks fans will say, if Chris Middleton didn't slip on a wet spot in the first round against the Chicago Bulls, they think they could have beaten the Boston Celtics. And they yep. think they could have won another title. And these things don't last forever. And we constantly try and remind ourselves and remind anyone who listens and and watches our show that you have to still enjoy the fact that this team is awesome and you get to watch Giannis during the regular season. But when the outside media and all the pressure is just built on purely winning titles and nothing else matters outside of the postseason, there is always an anxiety that you run the clock and you want to take advantage of this year because this is a really, really good Bucks team. As you pointed to, they added some pieces with uh, Jay Crowder and, and Carter's actually been really, really good for this team. Yeah. They invested money in Joe Ingles in the off season. Brooke Lopez wasn't healthy all last year, but he is now. So there is a sense that this is as deep as the Bucks have been in the Budenholzer era. So you want to cash in, but the only way that this team is going to cash in is if they win the title. So a lot of our conversation throughout the year has been about different lineups and how they're managing guys and how to ensure that you get to the postseason in the best shape possible. One last question on, on the Bucks side of it. Do you, does this feel like, because Giannis is still young, I mean, Middleton's only 31, Holiday's 32. But do you, like, where is the curve? Like, where is the starting to look around the corner and saying, like, what are we going to need to do here potentially in the next year or two to make sure that we remain one of the top two or three teams in the Eastern Conference? Because, like, I can see it, whether it's the Middleton injury that kind of raises your eyebrows or a guy like Drew Holiday who I think, like, he, he's obviously the consummate, he's the perfect piece, the perfect complementary piece to what you have. But as he maybe starts to get a little bit older, all of a sudden his value just kind of shrinks. That, that Venn diagram of where his value lies on a possession-to-possession, game-to-game basis is going to get a little bit smaller. Do you worry about that at all? Like, I know you, you don't want to be too far-sighted around it, but is that to your point about, like, this is why you need to capitalize? Because you could be a year away from saying, we need to make a significant change to keep maximizing Giannis. They might be about two months away from that because Chris Middleton has a player option next year. And because of the fact that he's... And I think they're unlucky injuries. I I don't necessarily buy into the idea that he's injury prone. I still think he's young enough that he's got multiple really good years ahead of him. But my suspicion is he's going to want a hell of a lot of cash this (laughs) offseason. And he has probably deserved it. But the Bucs are already a tax team, so they're going to become a repeated tax team. And if there is any concern from the Bucs that... He has got these injuries mounting. What are they going to do with Chris Milton? And is there another team or not? Is there? I would bet that there's other teams out there. Maybe your Dallas Mavericks that would say, hey, we'll give Chris Milton four years because we've got the cap space. 
Kane, 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 Kane. I got the solve, man. Sign and trade. I got a Ben Simmons $35 million contract just sitting on the books for you boys out there in Milwaukee. I know. The problem is that if you're an owner, and I'm, I, but no. I physically can't put myself in owner's shoes because uh, let's just talk about the bank account stuff here. But if you are a, a millionaire slash billionaire, it, at least if you're paying this $100 million tax bill, if you've got Chris Melton playing a quarter of the season, it's at least, at least better than Ben Simmons playing 0% of the season next year sure. when he's not out on the court. So you know, that, that is problematic, and I don't like to speak ill of my Australian friend. Uh, but the other issue I gotta is... Shop. I got to shop when I can shop, Ken. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. The other, the other problem is, uh, or the other question they're going to have is uh, New Jersey Nets legend, Brooke Lopez, who is already 34, and, and he has had an unbelievable season this year. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I thought so that this was going to be like the, the, the start of the fall off for him because there was some yeah. concerns last year. And then it was almost like he just dialed it back for one more great run here. So he's a free agent. So again, you talk about the tax stuff. And, and I think that it should be a simple equation for the Bucks. I think you re-sign Middleton, you re-sign Lopez. And, and because you, it's not like, you know, this, you don't not sign them and all of a sudden have cap space. That's not the way it works. Yes. It's, not, it's, it's not for me to, to give a crap about the, the tax bill, right? So if, if I'm in charge, I'm just signing those guys and rolling on again. But this offseason is going to be massive. And that is has been a big talking point among Bucks fans for sure. All right. What can I what can I help you with on the net side of things though? What what peaks up your interest here? Obviously, you're you're curious about Cam Johnson, the potential extension in the offseason. That's what excites you when we talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Absolutely. And by the way, I like a lot of the young guys. But but really, I just sit back and think for the fan base. Uh, an era, short era, and uh, an era full of turmoil over the last couple of years. But it the the ceiling was a title, and even as uh, recently as a couple of months ago, that was still in you know, the best case scenario a possibility. So, how have you found covering this team and the fan base have handled the idea of okay, now we're and maybe it'll be a quick reload, mm-hmm. but you are starting to get. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, the initial part was, as I think you know is true of the NBA nowadays, there are stands that follow players wherever they go. And we saw some some jumping off the ship and saying, thanks so much for the journey. I'll be spending my time in Phoenix. I'll be spending my time in Dallas and so on. But then we actually saw like a really good response from loyal Nets fans going all the way back to New Jersey days where they were like, hey, I've been here since year X, year Y. I was here through 10 consecutive losing seasons and not being a playoff team i'm in it for the long haul so there was a really good like resurgence in that sense the other part of it is i think you mentioned at one point this season the nets were among the title contender favorites i said it at the time when doug asked me after the kyrie irving trade this didn't surprise me that i said i felt relief and it's not i i i Kyrie can do and say whatever he wants. Like I really try, we try to do our best to compartmentalize judging the individual because that seems like a very subjective thing versus saying he's a great basketball player. And ultimately you want him to play as many games as possible because he gives you a chance to win. So I felt relief around that. That made sense. After the Kevin Durant trade, I was surprised that I also felt relief. And I think there's a, there was a big segment of the fan base that just thought, okay, that dream is dead. Right. But the good, the good news is you don't have to die with the dream. Now you get to think about it differently. But in the very short now, 10 to 12 games since the trade, they've gone through this when we went there with them of, hey, a lot of great defensive pieces. This should be a really difficult team to play. We can pester a lot of teams. OK, let's see what we can do. 
couple of bad losing streaks in there. Okay, this is a disaster. Sean Marks blew this. We got to blow the whole thing up. Why aren't they playing Cam Thomas? What are they going to do going forward? Ben Simmons is a mess. <laughs> and then you get these last handful of games where if Mikhail Bridges is going to open up here as being a legitimate top 15 player potentially in the league, a guy that's going to be in the All-Star game next year that can score 26, 27-plus points per game. Well, now you have a centerpiece. And now the discussion is about do you package up all your picks in the offseason and try to go get another key player? People keep throwing out Trey Young because Atlanta's not working out, all those things. Or do you stay the course? And that's probably where fans are now of like, yes, maybe it's a quick reload if we jettison everything that we have to go make this other key move. I don't think that Sean Marks and Joe Sy are ready to jump back into those waters. I think this is going to be next year, next deadline, after we get an offseason, a sample size going to next year, of like what this team can really be. Because there's still a lot of things to figure out. Nerland's Noel, 10-day contract, as exciting as it may be, is not your answer as a key contributor for this team. So there's a lot of things to figure out, man. But I, it's a different, lower expectation, but just as enjoyable for me. Because now game to game, you're, you're excited about who steps up, who has the big performance. Can they beat a team like Boston? So I'm enjoying the heck out of it. I, they, it it's been a blast. And I think most of the fans' bases come around to that too. I find that fascinating because I am more interested in the loyal Nets fans that are, that are really invested in this franchise. So I want to ask you about the idea of missed opportunity and then perhaps mm-hmm. ultimately how you or how you think the general fan base feels about those stars that had a very short uh, stint in Brooklyn. But first, I need some sustenance for this last uh, segment here. There's no doubt. Yeah. And I'm going to Built Bar. And I'm either going to Built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club. All very good options if you want to pick up a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories. So you've got to try a Built Bar. And still to this day, after years of talking about Built Bar, I cannot figure out in my head how this is actually healthy for you. Covered in 100% real chocolate, but only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar. Uh, but a very generous 17 grams of protein for those that are trying to build the muscle like Adam is. I know that for a fact. And uh, as I said, the good news is you don't have to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about going to built.com and you can still certainly do that. But if you want to pick up the cookies and cream, the double chocolate, the coconut puffs, go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club, go to built.com and thank me later. All right, so... Missed Opportunity is fascinating, and we had a podcast with Gerald Borgay recently who covers the Phoenix Suns to ask about Jay Crowder and to ask about Kevin Durant, and we did discuss the 2021 NBA Finals and how he thinks the fan base looks back on that series, and the Bucks and the Nets still, and I'm sure even for Nets fans, maybe not in the most positive way, but just an an unbelievable seven-game series back in 2021. But as much as I spoke about Middleton missing the series against Boston, the Nets were severely hampered. And I will just say this. If you're a Bucks fan and you won the title in 2021, you don't give a crap about the net injuries that the Nets had. And if you're a Boston Celtics fan last year against the Bucks, you don't give a crap about Chris Middleton. That's the way this works. And every year there are injuries that go through. Yep. But how do you look back on that series and what was a missed opportunity and some unluck? And yes the Kevin Durant shoe that I think people just will refuse to let go of for the rest of time. I can also be like something very clear about that, that toe on the line thing. And everyone goes, Affy just wore the right size shoe. Look (laughs) at your shoes. 
Like shoes don't adjust sizes by multiple inches, visual learning over on YouTube. Like, you know, an 11 to an 11 and a half is not two and a half inches. Like his, it was his, his, the front of his foot was over the line, not his one big toe with a hangnail. And by the way, it was still brutal. And I still wish, you know what I wish? Yes. He'd taken the shot from an extra foot further back. Cause it's not like Kevin Durant doesn't have the range. Right. So um, there's that part of it. And that is gut wrenching. And there's not a single bucks fan that goes, ah, oh, that's a shame. Maybe we should play it again. Maybe, you know what? It was a gimme. Give him the bucket. Let's see how things play out. I, you know, the one thing I think is funny in thinking about Phoenix, and, and now they have Kevin Durant. They have an old CP3 that has a, a different but still very valuable role, obviously a younger player like Booker. Um, but it's interesting that, like, because it was over four years, Kevin Durant is older now. And at a minimum, you look back and think two big stretches the last two seasons with Brooklyn where he missed big stretches of games. All of the things that went on with Kyrie in and out of the lineup, the James Harden, everything that went on with him and ultimately you know, demanding the trade, having to take back Ben Simmons, all that stuff included. And then, by the way, fans are still irate about the fact that Seth Curry has still found his way onto the post-deadline roster as a 31-year-old expiring contract. So there are things that the fan base has problems with. But I, I think when you look back at it, this is maybe to the point about the Bucks, Giannis, Holiday, Middleton. Hey, injuries are going to happen. Brooke Lopez, fluky things are going to happen that you can't control. But personalities and dynamics are something that you can be cognizant of when you try to craft a team that's capable of winning championships. And that, to me, is the biggest regret or the biggest mistake from a Brooklyn Nets Sean Mark standpoint. When you go back and look at it, you know that getting Kyrie gets you Kevin Durant. But you know, you just have some sense of the baggage that comes with. So I think like that's that's probably a part of it. And and while I don't think any Nets fans hold anything against Kevin Durant, they look maybe at Kyrie and then they look at the team. But Kevin Durant is not a vocal leader. He's a hey, I'm one of the best players in the game. I do my thing, and that should be more than enough. And it usually is. But this was kind of a directionless franchise when it comes to like a loud leading voice in the locker room. And all of those things conspired. So that then when there is an injury, then when there is some time away, it meant that it was going to derail it. So it's just, it's fascinating, man. Like the old 30 for 30 on the, on the what could have been era in Brooklyn will probably be one of the saddest watches for Nets fans. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that today as I was walking around just a couple of hours before we recorded this because I was thinking about Ben Simmons and I figured he was going to come up at some point but I have to believe at some point down the line there will be a book or a film or a documentary about the the way it's all panned out there as well I guess that's the last one for you I, I'm assuming everyone is absolutely out on Ben Simmons but what do they do here multiple years well over 30 mil per year how do you see this actually playing out because I think that there is a building suspicion that, hey, I mean, he, he might just not play or who, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, I, I think um, we agree that, one, there's physical things going on there that, that at the start of the season at the press conference, when he said he was healthy and ready to go, he wasn't. He wanted to be. It was critical that he needed to be to help out the superstar team win a championship. Um, and then there's the mental side of it that I think is 100% real and there. Trying to think that even if healthy, he's going to be the version of himself from two, three years ago is doubtful at best. But the Nets have him. Like he's under contract and for big money. There's really, it's a very hard path shy of attaching multiple draft picks to him where you're going to be able to unload that contract. Like 
the offseason is going to be fascinating. I mentioned Cam Thomas before. Has he shown enough that the incredibly low contract that he's on and you, you say, hey, you got to eat this and we'll throw in a pick two to make it work? That's probably something the Nets are going to have to explore if they want to go add some another piece. Because just like you said about the Bucks and the luxury tax, you we we know, and I think fans now know, just because you get rid of $35 million doesn't mean you have $35 million to spend because you can still be over that threshold. They have to make a choice about Joe Harris, $18 million. Spencer Dinwiddie, not fully guaranteed, but he's on the books for north of 20 next year. So there's a lot of things that they can do. And then signing an extension for Cam Johnson, which is going to happen because he's in lockstep with Mikhail Bridges. That's a part of the core that you get back from Phoenix. So that needs to be what you're selling the fan base on. So I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I'm of the mind he shouldn't play ever again this season. Doesn't look like he will. Give him the entire offseason. And then as much as Nets fans may not want to hear it, like, see if it looks different next season. Like, <laughs> see if he comes back healthy and can be a contributor because – he obviously can have a role for any team. Like he has a role, even if it's a non-shooting one. But until he shows 20 plus games of being able to perform at a reasonably high level or a consistent level, what team What team is even sniffing the idea of taking on that contract, let alone what could be a completely dead asset? It's just, that's another brutal part of the Harden trade from a Sean Marks perspective. You know, did you, did you buy a bad bill of goods because you felt like there was this pressure that James Harden was not going to come back and play for you? So you take a depreciated asset there. You got some draft capital. Seth Curry's not going to be a part of this team. There's a, there's a lot of things about that that are pretty frustrating as well. You're drawing it. You're, you're really bringing up a lot of bad memories, Kane. It is absolutely fascinating, and I'm sure this will be no surprise to Nets fans, but Ben Simmons is always getting spoken about over here in Australia. And uh, I guess like one glimmer of hope is there is at least a sense or a feeling that if, and by the way, we're actually at the point now where I'm not even sure that he would make the Australian team for the World Cup, but put your hand up, go hang around Patty Mills, and I know he's been hanging around Patty anyway, but Joe Ingles and Aaron Baines and all these guys that have uh, created a good culture, and maybe he sees the light and comes back to the NBA uh, a new man. That's does the Australian does the Australian fan base because I feel like I know that that Patty Mills or Ingles that you know when you have a handful of players that are at the NBA level it feels like a country collectively supports them right they want them um, to be a representation of of the best version of basketball players coming out of where you live. Do do Australian fans like believe in Ben Simmons? Do they care about Ben Simmons? Like that, I'm just like curious or fascinated by that because it feels like Patty Mills. Like, he is the the mascot for Australia, even though he doesn't play basketball right now for the Brooklyn Nets. No, they're out on him. And a, a big part of it has been because he hasn't played for Australia. He's said that okay. he's going to a few times and then hasn't come and played. And, and the other thing is now you've got Josh Giddy and Dyson Daniels and Josh Green and all these young players that play the same position. So, no, unfortunately, the approval, the approval rating is not high over here. But he can get it back if he plays at the World <laughs> Cup. It would not be hard. He can get it back. And I've always tried to be positive and supportive i know there's far more going on than is is directly what we see so we shall see uh with ben simmons and there is a lot going on with the brooklyn nets and this is why i listen to your podcast on a very very regular basis and everyone should do that adam yeah man everyone should be listening to your podcast because by the way it's the last time that the nets and the bucks play this season which is a bit of a bummer because we won't get any little sample size of this but you know what uh, uh, from a from a content standpoint from a crossover episode standpoint I wouldn't hate a Milwaukee Bucks-Brooklyn Nets first-round matchup. You get to spend a little time with Kane Pittman chopping it up. 
That's right. It's still on the cards. And after you listen to Locked On Bucks and Locked On Nets, you should listen to the Locked On Game to Game podcast on your Locked On NBA feed. All the scores, news, stats, info, analysis from across the league uh, from the Locked On podcast network. Experts. So go listen to Locked On Game to Game on your Locked On NBA feed, wherever you get your podcasts or YouTube. That'll do it here for us today. As I said off the top, if you haven't subscribed, liked, commented, rated, reviewed, and all the lovely stuff that you can do for absolutely free, we, we would really appreciate it if you did that on Locked On Bucks and Locked On Nets. Uh, Adam, it is always a pleasure. Uh, uh, Kane Pittman, my name is, and it is always a pleasure <laughs> to hang out with you. <laughs> you too, Kane Pittman. All right, Locked On Bucks and Locked On Nets. We'll be back <laughs> after the Bucks and the Nets. We'll speak to you guys then. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.